welcome to our loud Sunday morning worship celebration where we love celebrating Jesus, but we also love celebrating moms. So a uh, happy Mother's Day to all of you moms out there. Anybody here watch Jimmy Fallon stay up late and watch him? Okay. Anyone know who he is? Yeah, he's on a late night show. Okay. Uh, I don't watch him, but every now and then there are clips that come out on YouTube. And so I was looking at the thing he did where he did uh, the pros and the cons of Mother's Day. Really funny stuff. I'll play that later on. But it got me thinking. Uh, and so I was talking with a bunch of pastors in this online chat group. And we were talking about, you know, what are the pros and cons of, of focusing the whole message on Mother's Day, of not focusing on Mother's Day? And the conversation went in a place where we didn't expect. It went to the, well, here, are, what are the things that you should never preach on on Mother's Day? So uh, from that group comes this list of the top seven things should never preach on on Mother's Day. Uh, the first one is this, uh, Jezebel, every mother-in-law's true nature. Anybody know who Jezebel is? Yeah, not a good time to preach on Jezebel on Mother's Day. Uh, number six, thanks a lot, Eve. Probably not good to blame all of humanity's woes on a woman on Mother's Day, right? Whether through or not, just saying. Uh, number five, mama's boys and the mothers who make them. Great Father's Day message, though. That's a day to really, like, dig into that one. Uh, Number four, why aren't you in the kitchen with Mary and Martha? And some of you guys have already spent time in the kitchen, and uh, we're just going to leave that there. All right, number three, The Good Wife, Why You Ain't Her. Anyone watch that show? I've never seen it. I just keep hearing about it on TV and all the commercials. Uh, number two, Why Father's Day is Better Than Mother's Day. Not a good one to preach ever, apparently, is what all the pastors came to a consensus of, and this was the number one thing, never to preach on Mother's Day. Rahab the harlot, when is it okay for your man to stay at her house? Thank you for listening to Crossroads Community Church. At Crossroads, our mission is to be the church by exalting the glory of God, sharing and showing the love of Christ, and inviting others to be recipients of Christ's love. Now here's this week's message. Uh, I forgot to mention, uh, in addition to, hey, have a happy Mother's Day, um, Bonnie brought in some flowers for all of the moms, moms-to-be, stepmoms, grandmoms, great-grandmoms, great-great-grandmoms, et cetera, et cetera. So feel free uh, to take one of those on the way out. Uh, but we're finishing up, not finishing up, we're in the uh, second part of a series that we're doing on the Holy Trinity, and I hope for many of us that as we do this series, that the whole concept of the Trinity uh, becomes not just easier to understand, but also a little bit easier to explain. Has anyone ever talked to someone and tried to explain the Trinity, the Holy Trinity to them? Yeah, a little bit difficult, uh, challenging. Um, and if you were here last week, I said talking about the Holy Trinity, explaining it to someone is sometimes like that skit we saw, like who's on first, what's on second, I don't know who's on third, uh, Good stuff, Abbott and Costello. Now, last week, I showed you the original skit, black and white, Abbott and Costello, uh, hilarious. This week, 
I want to show you what some are calling the sequel to Abbott and Costello, who's on first, blah, blah, blah. All right, so tech team, could you uh, turn on uh, the video, whatever sound stuff for the video? Let's see if this, there we go. Tell you, Jimmy, you know what I love, Jimmy? I love baseball. When we get to St. Louis, will you tell me the guys' names on the team so when I see them in that big St. Louis ballpark, I'll be able to know those fellas? All right, but you know, strange as it may seem, they give these ballplayers nowadays very peculiar names. Funny names. Nicknames, pet names. Now, on the St. Louis team, we have who's on first, what's on second, I don't know's on third. That's what I'm trying to find out. I'm telling you, who's on first, what's on second, I don't know's on third. Do you know the fellow's name? Yes. And who's playing first? Yes. I mean the fellow on first base. Who? The fellow playing first base for St. Louis. Who? The guy on first base. Who's on first? Why are you asking me for? I'm not asking you, I'm telling you who is on first. You guys talking about me? Yes. Yes. As a matter of fact, we are. This is who? How should I know? I never met the guy. Well, now you've met him. Met who? Yes. Look, <laughs> would you tell me your name? Who? You. Who? Him. Me? Yes. Who? Hmm. What is your name? No, no, no. What on second? This is who? That's what I'm trying to find out. All right, calm down, will you? Okay, listen. When I say hello to this fellow right here, I'm saying hello to who? Hello, nice to meet you. Nice See, to meet you. now you're starting to get it. Get what? I'm right here. And who are you? I'm who. What? Yes. Uh, who's this fella? No, who is that fella? I am who. Who am I? How am I supposed to know? What's your name? Now, what is his name? I'm not asking you what his name is. I'm asking you, who is this fella right here? That's right. But what's his name? What is my name? You don't know your name? Of course I do. Well, then tell me. What? Your name. What? What's wrong with this guy? Who? What? Yes. Oh, I think he's got a hearing problem. Who? What? Yes. Look. Can't you see him talking to him? Who? What? Who? What? Who? What? Who? What? Boys, boys, settle down. Now then, I'm glad that's all cleared up. He's who and what's his name? I don't know! All right, gentlemen, I couldn't help overhearing this conversation. It's very simple. This fella's actual name is who? W-H-O. And this fella's actual given birth name is what? W-H-A-T. Well, that clears it up. Why didn't you just say that in the first place? But wait, who are you? I don't know. Third base! Can sound a little bit confusing. Uh, when we're talking to people and trying to explain to them, you know, what the Holy Trinity is. And in case you missed, that's the analogy uh, that we're going for, uh, is that God is like the first person of the Trinity. And Jesus Christ is the second person of the Trinity, the what. And as a lot of people tend to think about the Holy Spirit, it's like, I don't know what to think, that the third person of the Trinity, and it's not that there's first, second, or third in order of priority, but that they are all God, equally God, 
three who's and one what? One God. Um, and again, it can be a little bit confusing, but let me ask you this, because I know some of you guys have had some discussions either with people or people with you, or you've seen or read or heard analogies of people trying to describe the Trinity. Has anyone heard the whole, was it the egg analogy, like the, the shell and the, the yolk and then the, the egg whites? And no one likes the egg whites. Well, some health people do, but they're flavorful with the, the yolk. But the only problem with that is that each is separate. So, for example, if you were to show up and someone were to make you an egg white omelet, you'd eat it. You'd say, hey, this is great. They made it with just the yolk. You'd eat it, probably try it, say, yeah, this is great. How many would eat it with just the shell? Okay. Because it's, it's not the same. And, and they are not the same thing. They're three totally different things. So that kind of misses the mark. How many heard the... Was it the water, ice, and steam scenario? Yeah, that, that if you take like an uh, ice cube, right, and, and that ice cube is like God, the Father, but then if you melt it, it turns into water, so now it's totally different, and they say that's like God, the Son, and then if you heat that up even more, it turns into steam, and that's like the Holy Spirit. The only problem with that is, is that you can't have all three of that same ice cube coexist at the same time. So it's not the greatest analogy either. And there are some people that think that way, and I forget the, the name for it, that think that, you know, God the Father left heaven and turned into and came down as God the Son, and then once he was resurrected, he went back up to heaven and then came down, left heaven again as God the Holy Spirit. But if that's true, then Heaven is right now empty because God, the Holy Spirit, is inhabiting Christ followers. So that's not an actual, first of all, it's not biblical, but it's also not the best analogy either. And it, have you heard, anyone heard any other analogies or ways it's described or something? Anything? Yeah. Yeah, you can. And, and that's that's captures part of it that if you didn't hear him, John said that he's he's a, a father to somebody, he's a son of somebody. And what was the third one? Brother. A brother to somebody. And in that place, he's acting in uh, three different roles, which is good to describe the roles. But at the same time, he's over here being a father. Can he at the exact same time be over here being a brother and at the exact same time be in a totally different place? So that's. One person fulfilling three roles. And it's hard. It's, I mean, it's, it's, it's difficult to try to grasp and explain the Holy Trinity because there's absolutely nothing like it in the universe. So we don't have an accurate representation of it in existence in the universe to say it's like that. We have things that we can point to that give us some of the characteristics of it, but hopefully uh, that's why we're, we're, we're talking about it, to make it a little bit easier for us to understand. So last week... We were looking at how God reveals himself in scripture as a plurality. He himself says from the very beginning, I am one God, but I'm represented as more than one who. One what? One God represented as more than one who. And, and I talked about how throughout scripture, uh, there are authors of the Bible that say God the Father is God, that say God the Son is God, and that say God the Holy Spirit is God as well. So we're going to look at some of the verses talking about um, how 
Jesus Christ, God the Son is God. So if you have a Bible, open it up to the book of Colossians. And in Colossians chapter 1, and some of you may be really familiar with this passage of Scripture. Uh, some of you may not be familiar with this passage of Scripture. We're going to walk through this, and we're going to walk through a couple of other verses today. In Colossians chapter 1, Paul is writing to a church in uh, an area called Colossae. And in verse 3, this is what he says. He says, we always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. So he's establishing to them, hey, that, you know, Jesus Christ is the Son of God. Uh, he says, when we pray for you, because we have heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of the love you have for all the saints. Okay? So he says, I've, I've, I've heard of, of, of your faith in Jesus and that the love that you have for all of the Christians, all of, all of the people out there. All right? Now, drop down to verse 15 because he's going to go into a lot of detail about Jesus Christ. And in verse 15, this is what he says. And he's talking about Jesus Christ. He says, he is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. Now, that word image, a lot of people tend to say, well, that means he just looks just like him. Like when people look at my son, Jonathan or Brandon, they say, yeah, he kind of looks like you. But that's not the, the, the intent of this particular word. When it says that he is the image of the invisible God, it means that he is not just looks like him, but he also has the moral likeness of God. Which if you when you're talking to, you know, a Hebrew person and you say, hey, you know, God has all these. Remember, the Jewish people had all these laws and stuff they were trying to obey to fulfill God's righteousness because his morality was up here and they knew theirs was way down here. And then you say, but this guy, Jesus, he's got that level of morality. His level of morality is the same as God's. And they're like, wow, that's that's hard to conceive. Because only God can have that level of morality. Then he goes on and he says that he is the firstborn over all creation. Now, firstborn doesn't mean like God had multiple children. He means firstborn in preeminence. Like if you're the firstborn child, maybe not so much today. Back then, if you were the firstborn child, uh, you inherited most of the estate you know, you inherited most of, of, of the property, and it was your responsibility to take over the family business, to take over, be responsible for the entire family. So you were the one who had authority over all of the family business. And so that's what they're ascribing to Jesus Christ. He was the firstborn over all creation. For by him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities. All things were created by him and for him. And if you were here last week, we looked in Genesis where God says he created all things. And he went through a lot of detail of explaining every, you know, on the first day this, on the second day this. Talked about the order in which he created them. But here what Paul is saying is that, hey, Jesus created all things. And then he says, verse 17, he is before all things and in him all things hold together. And he is the head of the body of the church. He is the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead. So that in everything he might have supremacy. For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him. And through him to reconcile to himself all things. 
whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. Now, let me just put um, really quickly this, those last two sentences up on the screen. Because he says, for God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him, which literally means this. Everything that makes God God is in Jesus Christ. That's what that phrase, all his fullness, means. Everything that you can think of when you think of God, uh, God is the spirit. God is all-powerful. God is all-knowing. Everything that makes God God exists in Jesus Christ. And, it, and, and, and it's that way there's a trinity. Here's why uh, I, I love the Bible. He tells us God was pleased to do this because through him, meaning Jesus Christ, to reconcile to himself all things. Now think about this. Whether things on earth or things in heaven, um, God's kingdom exists. And when we pray the prayer, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. God's will is already done in heaven the way he wants it to. He doesn't have a bunch of humans running around who think they know better than God saying, I'm going to do this my way or do that my way. Everything in heaven is done just as God wants it to. On earth, not so much. But through Jesus Christ, God is going to reconcile and has reconciled the two kingdoms through the blood of Jesus Christ, the blood he shed on the cross. Because when we step across the line of faith and submit our lives to Jesus Christ, then we are coming into union and being reconciled unto God. Does that make sense? All right, so this is what Paul says about it. And I'm going to walk through a whole bunch of scriptures really quickly uh, to look at other things. Because in Isaiah, this is what Isaiah writes. Thus says the Lord, the King of Israel and his Redeemer, the Lord of hosts. And this is, this is, this is God speaking. I am the first and I am the last. Besides me, there is no God. God says I'm the first and I'm the last. Next to me, there's nobody else. Makes sense. If you're God, you get to say that. In Revelation chapter 1, this is what Jesus says. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, says the Lord God. He who is and who was and who is to come, the Almighty, the ruler of all. So God says, hey, I am the beginning and I'm the first, I'm the last. Next to me, there's no other God. Jesus Christ says, well, hold that thought because I am the alpha, which is the beginning. I am the omega, which is the end. I am the Lord God. All right? Then uh, this is what he says in Revelation 1, 17 to 18. This is what John's writing. When I saw him, I fell at his feet as if dead, but he laid his right hand on me and said, do not be afraid. This is Jesus talking. I am the first and the last, and the ever-living one. I am living in the eternity of the eternities. I died, but see, I am alive forevermore, and I possess the keys of death and Hades, the realm of the dead. So whether we agree with it or not, Jesus Christ is clearly saying, hey, you know what? I'm God. Now, there are people that kind of say, well, Jesus Christ never actually claimed to be God, that he never actually said he was God. And I kind of, we looked at some verses where he kind of said that. But um, there's a technical term for that in Greek and Hebrew, and it's called baloney. Because Jesus actually said over and over, I'm God. And the people he were talking to, uh, they thought he was God. So really quickly, uh, in John chapter 5, now Jesus had just finished healing someone. There was a guy who, who was lame. He couldn't, he couldn't get up. He couldn't walk. 
and Jesus healed him. Okay? And then, so because Jesus was doing these things, healing on the Sabbath, the Jews persecuted him. And Jesus said to them, my father, calling God his father, is always at his work to this very day, and I too am working. And for this reason, the Jews tried all the harder to kill him. And what's the reason? I'm glad you asked, because John's about to tell us. Not only was he breaking the Sabbath, but he was even calling God his own father, making himself equal with God. So from their perspective, yeah, you're claiming to be God. That's blasphemy. And, and you know, if you think about it, if someone came up to you and said, I'm God, you'd kind of think they were crazy. Or you'd say, hey, that's blasphemy. You're, you're not God. But then uh, just a couple of chapters later, John records this. Jesus makes the statement, I and the Father are one. Now, there are some denominations that say that word one doesn't mean that they're the same. But if you look it up in Greek, Hebrew, Chinese, English, Spanish, French, and even Ebonics, one means one. It, it literally means the number one. So he's saying I and the Father are one. And again, the Jews picked up stones to stone him, but Jesus said to them, I have shown you many great miracles, and he's saying the miracles I did were from the Father. For which of these do you stone me? And this is their response. We are not stoning you for any of these, replied the Jews, but for blasphemy because you, a mere man, claim to be God. He's telling them, you know, hey, I and the Father are one. I've done all these miracles from my Father. And they say, hey, you are claiming to be God. Now, does that sound like they thought Jesus was claiming to be God? Yeah, because they said, this is why we're going to kill you, because you're claiming to be God. Now, uh, here, here's the thing. Let me, let me explain this really quickly. No matter what we think about Jesus, whether or not he was God, he, throughout Scripture, made it clear, hey, I'm God. People he was talking to clearly thought, you're claiming to be God. And writers throughout the Bible made reference to Jesus as God. John finishes his gospel saying, hey, I wrote, the reason I wrote this gospel is so that you might be saved and know that Jesus is God. He starts off his gospel saying that he was God in the flesh. In the beginning was the word and the word was God. And then he goes on and says that word became flesh and walked among us and was Jesus. I mean, I don't know how to, he makes it any clearer. But here's, here's the thing, and, it, and, and it's, it's awesome. Um, if we try to, 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 to make this into a big, like, a theological thing that you have to get this and you have to understand this, that's not what God says. That's, that's not why God reveals himself to us. Here's the beauty of what God does. God the Father loves us so much, but he knows we have issues. Okay? He knows we make mistakes. He knows we mess stuff up. And he says, you know what? Somehow, all of these issues, the stuff that we call sin, all the things we do wrong, all the things that are inherent in us, it's an inherent part of human nature, he says, that's blocking us from being in relationship. And so then Jesus Christ, who is God, as the Son, says, hey, you know what? I'm going to go down and I'm going to take care of this because I am going to become one of them. I'm going to walk among them. 
then I'm going to die for them so that they can then have a relationship with you, God the Father. That's the essence of the entire gospel. Now, let me share this. And uh, if you're wondering, why are we ending so early? It's Mother's Day. <laughs> but um, we're going to close in a few minutes. As the, as the band comes up, let me share this with you. Last weekend, I was at a, uh, a celebration in, in McKeesport for a bunch of churches coming together, doing a unity celebration, kind of like what we did in, uh, in January of this year. And afterwards, I was talking to one of the pastors there, and, you know, I was telling them about my son Jonathan and how he does MMA fighting and how ugh, it, it drives me crazy that that's the path that he's chosen for his life and that how difficult it is to watch him do that. And when he's victorious, I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And when he's not, I'm like, oh, my gosh, is he okay? And, and um, as we were talking this is what occurred to me is because, you know, I, I, I thank God that he, I shouldn't say I thank God that he's doing that because I would prefer he'd be doing, I'd prefer he'd be a banker somewhere or whatever or something where people aren't trying to like knock your brains out. But I do thank God that he's not doing, he could be somewhere doing drugs, he could be in jail, he could be running from the law, you know, he could be on a whole different path. So I praise God and I want to encourage him on the path he's on. But I am extremely proud of him and, and, and that he stuck to uh, jumping in a cage and fighting people until someone says, I quit. It's one of those sentences you never expect to hear a pastor say. But I'm, I'm proud of him for doing that. And just like uh, you're proud of your sons and moms, you know, Mother's Day, you're proud of your sons, at least until you see whatever they did or did not get you for Mother's Day. That might change. But we're proud of our sons. God the Father is extremely proud of his son. And just as we want to go talk about and share what's going on, the good things that our sons are doing in their lives, then that's what God wants for Jesus Christ. He wants to share with all of humanity, this awesome good thing that his son Jesus Christ has done for humanity, giving his life for us. And Jesus, Jesus is awesome because he's like, hey, all Jesus wants to do is to reconcile us. And if that's, if that's a hard concept, he basically wants to point us back and say, hey, God the Father, he's your father too. And he wants us to just join in in worshiping him together. So that's what we're going to do. For the next couple of minutes, we're just going to enter into a time of worshiping God through song. And I'm just going to ask you guys to stand and join us in just lifting God up. Now, before we close, just remain standing for a minute. Um, I wanted to share something with you. And I posted this online uh, in regards to Mother's Day because I know uh, that there are some people who kind of are a little, I don't want to say frustrated, but... Uh, maybe frustrated is the right word with Mother's Day because uh, normally what happens is, you know, you'll ask all the moms to stand and there are people who have lost their moms or people who don't want to be moms and they feel like they're not being, you know, they're being singled out for not being this thing, what we picture a mom. So uh, I was reading an article online and I wanted to share this with you and I'm going to ask you guys if you could just begin playing the next song that we're going to sing before we close because I... 
I think this is pretty cool. It's not about just the moms who are moms, okay? It's about all of the women who take time to give of themselves to someone else. So this is, this is what it said. Now I'll share it with you in case you haven't seen it. So it's Happy Mother's Day to all the moms, stepmoms, soon-to-be moms, and future moms. To those who gave birth this year to their first child, we celebrate you. To those who lost a child this year or any year, we mourn with you. To those who are in the trenches with little ones every day and wear the badge of food stains and projectiles from both sides of the child, we appreciate you. To those who experience loss through miscarriage, failed adoptions, or running away, we mourn with you. To those who walk the hard path of infertility, fraught with pokes and prods and tears and disappointment, we walk with you. And we ask that you forgive us when we say foolish things because we don't mean to make this harder than it is. To those who are foster moms, and mentor moms and spiritual moms, we need you. To those who have warm and close relationships with your children, we celebrate with you. And to those who have disappointment, heartache, and distance with your children, we sit with you. To those who have lost their moms, we, we grieve with you. To those who experience abuse at the hands of a mother, we acknowledge your experience and the hardships. To those who live through driving tests, medical tests, and the overall testing of motherhood, we're better for having you in our midst. To those who are single and long to be married and mothering your own children, we mourn that life has not turned out the way you longed for it to be. To those who are single moms, we salute you. To those who step-parent, we walk with you on these complex paths. To those who envisioned lavishing love on grandchildren, yet that dream is not to be, we grieve with you. To those who will have emptier nests, upcoming year, meaning your children are going to be moving out, we grieve with you and we rejoice with you. And to those who place children up for adoption, we commend you for your selflessness and remember how you hold that child in your heart. And to those who are pregnant with new life, both expected and surprising. We anticipate with you. So just bow your heads for a moment. This Mother's Day, we walk with you. We know that mothering is not for the faint of heart. And we have real warriors in our midst. And we remember you. And God, we thank you for the mothers that you put into our life. And some where we've had great relationships that have grown us. And others, we've had tense and hard relationships that strengthened us. But in all and through all, we give you thanks and you glory. 
for the moms who gave birth to us. And while we thank them, we also want to thank you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.